0: Hey, welcome to the Michaud Mission Two Men, One Podcast Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Len aka the Bat Tribble and as always I'm joined by my partner right there Hey, this is Vincent Williams Tonight, ladies and gentlemen we are wrapping up the motherly month of May and our salute to Bad Black Movies with Our review of 2009's *Medea* Goes to Jail, written, directed, (sighs) and starring Tyler Perry. You be the judge tonight on the Me Show mission. Um, But first, as always, we want to thank each and every one of you out there who are standing by watching us. As we stream live via StreamYard on Facebook as well as on YouTube. And a huge thank you to each and every one of you who joined Vince and I this past Friday evening for the Michelle Mission's very first watch party where we got (laughs) together at your insistence and watched Madea goes to jail as one via Cener. vince wasn't yes. that a fun experience it was a fun experience
1: and you know how fun it was it justified watching this film twice <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it just for that if i had to watch
0: this film twice it was worth it you yeah, had a good time yeah, we had a ball. We had I was oh. about saying yourself you Oh man, I had so much fun. I had my pretzel bites going.
1: Mm-hmm. I had
0: my Jack Daniels. I was Tennessee, about to say, do you do you remember
1: whiskey. the last 20 minutes? Do you remember the last <laughs> 20 minutes?
0: Yeah, I, I I I I seem to remember sitting there watching the film. <laughs> there was there oh. were colors. There were flashing lights yes. and colors. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes,
1: yes. Yeah, oh, in, in front of me. Yes. Got a little slurry by the end. Lynn.
0: <laughs> I did. I'm not even going to lie. I did. I, um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I've only recently become a whiskey man, so um, <laughs> to get my Get my tolerance up. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Practice makes perfect. Exactly, and and I got a long weekend coming up, so I, I had a long weekend that weekend. So, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> but yes, good time, good time, and thank everyone who came out and watched. Medea goes to jail with us.
0: <laughs> yes, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, Melissa G, who was watching. The, um, the watch party all the way from the Netherlands says it was fun watching Lin <laughs> fall apart. Lin falls apart. That was one
1: of Chiawachibe's lesser known works. <laughs> it's a literary joke for you guys. I wouldn't say I fell apart. I... You didn't. Well, the center did not hold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Anyway. But it was worth it, ladies and gentlemen, because today we are going to bring you our review of *Medea Goes to Jail* as yes, we close yes. out uh, 2021's edition of *Mother May I*, which oh, has been going thank on. You, Jesus, th- th- I believe, Vincent. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe we have been doing *Mother May I* have another black film. This is the third year that we've done it.
1: I was thinking twenty seven, but maybe third.
0: (laughs) I believe it's only the twenty. It's only the.
1: Feel like I've been doing Mother May I my whole life. All my life, I've watched bad movies in May.
0: (laughs) No, I think this is. I think this may actually only be the. um, The third. Yeah, that sounds right. It sounds. It sounds about right, right? It sounds right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's fair to say we weren't looking forward to reviewing uh medea goes to jail and nor we look forward to reviewing a lot of these films um and i wondered whether or not we had actually you know where medea goes to jail and we're going to be reviewing this where this stands against all of the other films that we have reviewed in the merry very month of may right so I wanted right. to go back and find the 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 inaugural mother may I have another black bad black movie. And I think believe it or not Vince this goes all the way back to 2018. I believe we started okay. in 2018. And the first film that we reviewed it was Soul Plane. Yeah. Yeah, and Soul
1: Plane is, is, I would argue, the nadir of the film.
0: Like, like, we started with the worst. Well, I would have thought that, too. And yet, Soul Plane is not the worst film of Mother May I. Some might argue it may be the best film of the Mother May I series.
1: What is, what is, better, what is worse than Soul Plane? Well... Because let- I'll fight you about rapping with Soul Plane. Oh, I don't know about that,
0: bro. Um, Yeah. So, let's go. Let's go. Okay. So, starting in 2018, we we reviewed Soul Plane. Okay. Yes. Then we reviewed Passenger 57.
1: Which, which in retrospect,
0: probably shouldn't have been in Mother May I. uh, Well, it wasn't my selection. Um, No, you're
1: right. That was me. That was my bad.
0: Then... You,
1: You know, I've always resisted this. So <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> a know. pattern will soon emerge as you read them off. So I'm gonna just call myself out before you go further into it. Where people are saying, Oh, that wasn't that
0: bad. Yeah, that's the one Vince picked. Mm-hmm. So uh it was Soul Plane, uh Passenger fifty seven, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Our first solid Perry film. Then State Property.
1: State Property is pretty bad, pretty bad. Not worse
0: than Soul Plane. Okay, so you're saying Soul Plane is the worst film of that group? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Then we go to 2019. Okay. Which saw us review Carmen, a hip hopera.
1: Yes, better than Soul Plane. Steel,
0: starring Shaquille O'Neal.
1: Better than Soul Plane just because it was so bizarre. Which is part of the reason Tyler Perry gets over, but we'll talk about that later.
0: Who's the man starring Ed Lover and Dr. Dre? Better than Soul Plane. I'll give you that. And these are still bad films. Oh. They're bad movies. Yeah. And then Rappin'. I think Rappin' is better than Soul Plane. Mm, eh, now, I, I, I gotta call shenanigans on that one. No. I
1: think Soul Plane is aggressively lowbrow, ignorant, and offensive. Trappin' is just is is just canon it's
0: just a canon movie from the 80s. See, the reason why I I would say well well, first of all, let's go to last year first before we go before we get there. Last year's films were The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, ain't nothing wrong with Fish Saved Pittsburgh. I don't believe that was my choice, Vince. No, no, no. That was 100% my choice. <laughs> um, uh, Johnson Family Vacation. Right, which, you know. <laughs> the New Barbarians, which to me gets a pass because it's a foreign film. Yes, yes. But it's bad. It's uh, pretty bad. And then The Thing with Two Heads, starring Rosie Greer and a embarrassed Ray Milan. Which I think Soul Plane is worse than. Well. I, mm. Dude, Soul Plane is so aggressively bad. Here's the, th- here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you want to make the argument Soul Plane is worse than, worse than uh, Thing With Two Heads, maybe. Yeah, I will say this is, uh, The Thing With Two Heads is, is worse. But what the, films, the two films share in common is that both films know exactly what they are. The thing with two heads is trying to be a dumb horror movie. It's not trying to be anything more than that, and it's badly made and badly done at that. And there are points in the film where they absolutely ha- have no idea what they're doing, and thus you get a twenty-minute motorcycle ride in the middle of, of <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the movie, right? Yeah, so with
1: Rosie Greer <laughs> on a motorcycle, right? <laughs> Which it's something it has in common with steel. It's got like these seven foot men on these little motorcycles. I know,
0: looking like like trained bears on, on tricycles, right? <laughs> so, so that has that going for it. Soul plane, soul plane. You're right. It's gratuitous. It's it's gross out. Is is below the belt humor, but soul plane doesn't does not make any bones about trying to be anything other than that, right? And in doing so, is it, as a film, relatively competently made? Yeah. Do some of the jokes get over? Maybe not to me and you, who maybe have more of a higher bar for them to reach, but I could certainly see somebody sitting there chilling Wowing out, and, and, and honestly, if I was sitting sitting here with a whole bunch of uh, chicken wings and fries and, and some drinks and a bunch of boys, I probably would be cracking the hell up at Soul Plane. So I would say that Soul Plane is decidedly better than a lot of these films, including Rapping, because Rapping is trying to be something deeper than it really is, and it's just not. And it just, oh, I don't think it's trying to be deep. Oh, it's
1: it's it's trying to make some breaking money. Like it's literally in the breaking universe.
0: There is nobody trying to be deep in rapping. They're trying to be a little deeper. They're trying to be a little deeper. And they don't what even the bother. Message? They don't even bother getting a rapper. Well, get, that's just dis <laughs> Like, I just think that's a level of
1: disrespect for the culture, which I'll give this point to rapping at least in Rappin's defense, the culture is only four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Soul Plane comes out and hip-hop is an
0: actual thing and it's disrespectful. But, see, but I don't think Soul Plane is disrespectful to, to hip-hop at all. I think Soul
1: Plane is actually borderline racist. I mean...
0: It, I don't know if it's racist. It's I mean it's just Rims on the airplane. Are you yeah, really defending Rims on the airplane? Because but but everybody who was in this film signed on for that. They signed on for that level of humor. No, 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 no. They signed on for the check. If we're talking about the movie and who made
1: the movie and I mean in that case you just like you just defended everything. Like everybody
0: signed on for something yeah, but, okay, but, alright, so now, see, now you got me going to, I have to go look up the credits for Soul Plane, who, oh d- no, it's two white guys we actually
1: talked about it during the episode, Did we? it's two middle-aged white guys, just like rapping, like all of these movies you don't have to go digging that deep to find a middle-aged white guy who doesn't know anything about hip-hop, and again and rapping's, def- and, and again I'm not gonna be fighting, but so hard for rapping, at least it was 1980-whatever and Golan and Globus had known about hip hop for two years. I will still, I will still say that Soul Plane is better than rapping. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not giving you that. Uh
0: huh. No, I'm sorry. No, Soul I'm sorry. Plane is my one. We we share. We we we, we differ. We differ. I'm just um, glad we've watched them already, <laughs> and we never have to watch them again. Action figure expert says that Soul Plane is definitively a stereotype. But uh, he's not saying necessarily that it is racist. And Summer also agrees. Summer agrees with uh, him. Okay. So so there you go, Vince. And action figure expert also says that Catwoman is worse than Steel. Oh, I guess we have to do Catwoman. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. You know what? I don't know if I've ever seen Catwoman. I know I've seen it at least once. I've seen it at least once. I don't remember much about it. Except Interesting. Except bad special effects. Yeah, we do have to, we do have to see Catwoman. We've got to watch Catwoman. Maybe we'll watch that the week before we do Meteor Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't mind seeing Catwoman. I wouldn't mind yeah, seeing no, Catwoman. Yeah, no, 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 no checking it out. Robert Monroe Jr. wants to know, can we do a month of black superhero movies?
1: It is It is not. It's it's funny. Lynn and I actually had a conversation about black superhero movies the other day. You know what, George? I have thought about Superman 3 for a couple of years. When we were talking about the toy a couple Mm -hmm. of months ago, I thought about Superman 3. I don't know how much of an argument you can make for it as a black movie but certainly it would be an interesting review from our perspective
0: yeah I don't, I don't think it makes the cut though honestly I mean yeah I mean I mean you know we stretched it for DC cab I mean you know I guess we stretched it for for worse of films but um, a month of black superhero films well I mean, or black I comic see- films if you expand it to black comic films well, you actually could do black superhero. I mean, because I mean, Catwoman, we, Catwoman's Catwoman, protagonist, White Man, Well, Hancock Hancock. Um, eventually we're going. <laughs> Maybe we try Meteor Man again. Um, <laughs> Spawn,
1: which is actually a, an interesting story, blackness in the Spawn movie. Because remember, remember they they um they switched some of the races of some of the Spawn characters. Because they didn't want to be too many black char- too many black, um, characters in it. Did they? Oh yeah, Todd McFarlane actually wrote a pretty thoughtful essay about it when it so, came out. So,
0: so, so well, but wait a minute, because um, Michael Jai, White. is... Michael Jai
1: the- White plays Spawn, right? And 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 let's be clear, I don't know anything about Spawn, really. Mm-hmm. Like I bought them first couple of issues that everybody was supposed to buy, and then I bought the Alan Moore one. But I know Spawn, his wife,
2: his and wife
1: I is... want to say there's a his wife is black, and then right. there's a third character in the comics that is black, and they switched it to a white guy in the movie. Oh, and Todd I think I know McFarlane who you're talking about. talked about that. Yes, about how yes. the studios basically pressured him into it because they didn't want it to be seen as a black movie. It's the most bizarre thing like the two white men who have really really kind of um blatantly talked about the politics of race mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in 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 entertainment and how there's a um there's 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 a point where studios don't want it to be too many black people. Right, it's like David Simon talking about the the Wire, mm-hmm. and Todd McFarlane talking about Spawn.
0: Yeah, I remember that character. I think that he's like a tertiary character in the comic book, who is black in the comic book, and it works in the comic book because Spawn, the character, even though you learn that he's black in the comic he, for the most part, is either seen in a mask, or when he takes his mask off, all of his flesh is burned off. Which Todd McFarlane talked
1: about that. Right. Even in the comic. Like, the politics of the visual of, of Spawn being a black man.
0: Right. Right. I forgot about that. Um... George Kimono is also throwing out as we're talking about black superhero films. He's throwing out the uh, Blade, which we've done Blade one and two. We haven't done Blade well, three, which is go- which which is a thing. Well, I mean, that's well, another Blade film. Seems, Blade seems to find its way to um, horror, horror. Even though yeah. I think that Blade three is decidedly less horror. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. So um and then Robert Monroe Jr is throwing out Leonard Part 6 which I've never seen. Um so I don't know if Is a, that a superhero movie or is that more a spy movie? Yeah, I think he's a spy in that, right? I think the, yeah, I remember that I think that he's pretty sure he's I, a spy. Cuz I know the running joke is that he I think I did I think I actually did watch it one time years ago cuz I think yeah. he, he he he's like riding an ostrich in the film or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's
1: terrible. It's 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 part of the 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 peyote and mushrooms that Bill Cosby was taking during the eighties himself and signing up for all this stuff. Right. We got we could do Akbar the Black Superman, which every uh douchebag blurred was talking about during Black Panther. Uh actually Black Panther isn't the first super that would be Akbar the Black Superman. Well, I may I- have taken some liberties in how those people sounded, but
0: mm, no. Yeah. No, I've got to take yeah. So that sounds yeah. spot on, trust me. Yeah. Exactly how they sounded. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. yeah, so we could do that. We could do that. Um I saw somebody caping up for Hobbs and Shaw. That's not. Not, the, <laughs> not.
1: You know, you know I and you and I have talked about this. You know I've been trying to figure out how to um how to package the fast and furious for this
0: show. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh and Tyrese, and well, I mean, you got Tyrese, you got The Rock, you got Ludacris, but you know, I'm I think Vin Diesel. <laughs> well, he's damn near a superhero by the end of the by, by uh Fast Eight, where I think I'm he just acts- talking
1: about how he
0: has very deliberately been racially ambiguous, anyway. I'm not, uh, well. I spend enough time down this this rabbit hole. Hey, missionaries. Let me tell you about a show that Vincent and I think you're going to love. It's called Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. And it's hosted by culture critic Kristen Meinzer and Newsday film critic Rafer Guzman. In each episode of Movie Therapy, listeners write in seeking advice on everything from relationship drama to workplace frustrations to raising kids in the era of COVID-19. And then Rafer and Kristen, they dispense a bit of advice as well as movie and TV viewing prescriptions to help them through whatever ails them. It's part advice column, part watch list with lots of laughter and lots of empathy. Check out movie therapy with Rafer and Kristen. Available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And speaking of rabbit holes, Vince, did you see in our Facebook group? <laughs> oh, there was this. I don't know
1: where you're going with this.
0: <laughs> there was this really cool um, post that I like to share on the stream here. The faculty staff of a magical HBCU. Did- I saw that. Yeah, that was fun. This was fun. This was actually cool. That was, was fun. Uh, Karik Salil uh, Chatman. So give the give the man his, his props. The faculty staff of a magical HBCU starts with Giancarlo Esposito as Dean of Students, extremely strict but fair with students, shady, mystery, mysterious past, an impeccable suit game. Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely that makes works. Sense. That works. Then we come to Blair Underwood, teaches <laughs> pharmaceutical alchemy. Much older than he looks, which smiles, is hilarious. Smiles inappropriately at female students, and never goes anywhere <laughs> without his hip flask of unknown potion. <laughs> That's very, very true. I'm, I'm first of all right now. I'm going to cape for his pocket square game and his sock game.
1: Yeah, yeah. That That is him from either this past season or the season before of Dear White People. Okay. And he basically plays this
0: guy. I mean, Blair (laughs) Underwood, ladies and gentlemen, he's 75 years old. but you would (laughs) never... (laughs) I'm pretty sure
1: Blair Underwood and Angela Bassett are just staring each... They've been warring with each other for
0: the past thousand years. Oh, wow. I, I think they both have a... a, a the, hold the keys to the Lazarus pit. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. Next, we have Samuel Jackson, who teaches Hexology 101, <laughs> regularly <laughs> threatens and cusses at the students, has jinxed his TA several times, and his favorite quote is, I don't care, I have tenure. Yeah, that's a good that's that's a good face. And and I know you're just wait you're waiting till you're able to uh add that quote to your repertoire, aren't you, Vince? It would be a good quote. I'm sure it would be. Uh next we have Lavar Burton. That's a, that's a fly picture. The university librarian who knows where every book is, is very patient and memorizes every student's name, which is spot that's on. That's nice. Which is very spot on. And then We have the first lady of the faculty, I believe, yes, Angela Bassett, who teaches principles of magical law in the 21st century, is the object of every male freshman's desire, a fashion icon, and who has to constantly say, stop it, I'm old enough to be your grandmother. Yeah. And Jimmy cracked corn, and I don't care.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless that professor.
0: God. God bless. I, I think that's the, God the end bless of the professor. I think that yeah. is. Oh, no, no, that's right. We have uh, one more. Keith David, who teaches modern demiology and exorcism strategy, is on the dean's shit list and gives mm-hmm. life-threatening homework. You don't know jack about fighting demons. Which is a quote I already use. No follow-up questions. So, um, so this is a cool little um, post. It actually is a part two of it that you could check out, um, and there's a link to it in our Facebook group, ladies and gentlemen. I thought that was really um, cool, so shout out to Kariq Salos Chapman for um, posting that. The world of comedy suffered a loss this past week with the passing of legendary comedian and writer Paul Mooney at the age of 79. Paul Mooney, most famously known for his writing collaborations with Richard Pryor uh, over the years, as well as some of his more incendiary commentary on the world at large uh, from the pulpit of the stage of various comedy houses across the country, uh, across the globe, actually. A voice who candidly I can't say that I didn't find his work funny because I was a huge fan of Richard Pryor, which means that by proxy, I did find a lot of Paul Mooney's work funny. Um, but when I saw Paul Mooney himself, he didn't really do anything for me as a comedian, but I respected his place in the genre based on mm-hmm. you know everything that I knew of him and the works that he... Um, that he had done and the people that he had worked with. So I know his loss was felt um, pretty big in the comedy world, um, despite how controversial a figure he could be at times. What do, what do you have to say about the passing of Paul Mooney, Vince?
1: I, I think just fearless. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he, he he was just fearless, which in a lot of ways I think kind of goes with what you said about sometimes... And I agree with you. Just just as as a craftsman, sometimes Paul Mooney would have these stretches that he didn't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he necessarily wanted you to laugh sometimes. Right. We have we've, we've talked about this before on and off. I feel like oftentimes we use the term comedian as this almost catch-all, but every now and then these Comedians wander into this space where it's not funny. We talked about it with with Dave Chappelle last summer, and it's George Floyd, <clears throat> the the George Floyd special he did. Richard Pryor oftentimes mm-hmm. would go into this space. I think Paul Mooney lived in that space.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly where, for the last year. Like Last uh, a while,
1: yeah. He would just channel his own truth, and and I, I I I admired Paul Mooney. I I respected Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney would make me laugh sometimes, though. Like like when he made you laugh, he would make you laugh. That's and true. it's 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 a real loss. Yeah, yeah. it's a real loss. Icon, icon. In in a world where we're running out of them, frankly.
0: Almost every day, every week, you're reminded that we are at that time right now in the first quarter of the 21st century where a lot of those, you know, names and faces and, like you mentioned, icons who were born in the uh, middle of the 20th century are reaching, you know, Making that their their way on um, to the next the next plane, we're really just really at that time where we're going to be going through them more and more.
1: You know, I remember something that someone said a few years ago when the two men I'm going to talk about died, and I've I've tried to look at this from that perspective. Someone wrote that instead of mourning the death of David Bowie in Prince. Oh, yeah. Think about what a blessing it is that we were alive at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: And, and hopefully everyone can say that. Like, hopefully everyone, whenever they live, can say, I was alive at the same time as, you, you know, certainly young people now are... You know, you know, I saw Beyonce. I saw Frank Ocean. I saw... Medea. Ma- <laughs> I mean, Medea, you just have to be thankful that you were there mm-hmm. when these, when these people. So, so we were there for a lot of Paul Mooney, but, but yeah, it's, it's really sad.
0: Yeah. George Camona brings up that he wrote the very famous Saturday night live word association skit yeah. with Richard yeah. Pryor from the first years of first year of, uh, the Saturday Night Live. I can't remember if that, was it wasn't the first episode, but I don't know. It was like even. No,
1: but it was it was the episode like one of the first pro- I
0: mean, three or four.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a real turning point for SNL. Mm hmm. Getting mm-hmm. him as a guest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and if and,
1: people don't know what we're talking about, look up the word. associate. it's it's an amazing skit.
0: Yes. Yes and it's prime Richard Pryor. If you've only saw Richard Pryor when he was at his lesser powers later yeah. in his later in his life, this is this is prime Richard Pryor, early 70s Richard Pryor. It's
1: a great episode. Oh yeah, the whole the, well the like whole... I love the samurai skit. I love the I exorcist love the skit. Exorcist skit. Yeah. Like it's a great
0: episode. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. And brief Brie 517 uh says that I feel the same way about Tony Morrison what a privilege to witness greatness very true. oh yeah
1: oh yeah absolutely very true absolutely like like you live in a time where tony morrison books come out mm-hmm. they don't come out as much but it is is like wow there's a new tony morrison look don't even get me started don't mm-hmm. even get me yeah yeah so all right, <laughs> all, right. all right we we do got go we were listening to um it was like a nineties hip hop, like a nineties hip hop mix. And and Gin and Juice came on. Oh wow. And, and Wendy said she had never heard the unedited version of Gin and Juice, which is a whole different song. Mm-hmm. It is. But but I told her I remember sitting in my apartment with my boys, mm-hmm. listening to Snoop's solo debut doggy style mm. and being so conflicted. <laughs> it really was wow. I'm pretty sure this is putting a race back like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard in my life. Right. So, And well, you have those moments. You have those moments where you were there or you remember the moment.
0: Right. Well, you know, it... it to her to her point there are those songs that you heard them on the radio so much which means mm-hmm. that especially in you know 90s hip hop you heard the the radio edit of the song right so much so that when you do hear the actual unedited version <laughs> it don't sound right and you know what song that like that is for me um Oh, what's the name? Quiet Storm with Mob Deep and Little Kim. Okay. If you listen to, I I I know the the radio edit. So I I I'm I'm I hear like when they drop out, like, you know, the B word, the F word, and all that type of stuff, right? But if you actually hear the unedited version, that song is raw as hell. And it, it but it's so raw that it's no longer even playful to me it's like it almost feels like like too much you know like nah yeah. ooh, ooh that's that's just because you old up no it's not honestly it's not it's it's honestly not because i heard this years ago i mean this is not me now this is me when i heard it back then you know what i'm saying and when i actually heard it i was like yo this just it don't even sound right i want to hear the <laughs> i want i want to hear the it's, dropouts it's, you know yeah
1: it's true because as a young man, I, I thought it was I thought it was gauche to play a hip hop before
0: noon. First of all, first of all, only you, Vincent, would say, "Oh, it's gauche to play hip hop before I noon." Did. Look I, at you sitting with was, your I, pinky all up in the air. Look at how you holding your I head did. when you say it. was it. like I was. I was like, "Oh, that's a bit much for ten 30. Sitting, sitting there in your Wu Tang shirt. That I put this on after six, though. It was after That's six. right. That's It was, right. it was after That's six. That's right. <laughs> Wu Tang is after dinner music.
1: Uh, Look, can we talk about Medea so we can be finished
0: talking about Medea? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into our review of Medea goes to jail.
1: We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and act steps in it.
0: Let's go.
2: You set a date. Yes, i set a date. You know you're gonna need a best man, right? I found the most amazing dressmaker and she agreed to do the dress for us. We are all struggling to be our best. Can I- some me time please did i ever ask you for some me time what the hell is me time my dear you have an anger management problem Fine, Cora.
1: city of atlanta versus washington
2: candy i'm sorry your honor seems that i know this defendant we are all searching for a better life
0: why you bail me out of jail
2: because you're a friend
0: you ain't like the rest of us candy if anybody can get out of here you can
2: and we are all on a journey i didn't raise no punk you better go get that book. <laughs> Between where we came from... What are you doing with her? I was just trying to help her out. You've helped her enough. And who we want to be. What is wrong with you? Why do you feel the need that you gotta get somebody all the time? Well, when you get and gotten and somebody done got you and you go get them, when you get them, everybody's gonna get got. Yeah, but you're getting the gutters when they didn't do anything to you yeah, to get but you. Yeah, the gotters get me, I'm gonna get my Glock. Tyler Perry and Lionsgate invite you to experience the laughter. Joe, who the hell are all these
0: people in my house? Don't you feel sorry for me? At least I get paid for what I do now.
2: And the convictions
0: She's going to jail this time!
2: I ain't going, I ain't going, I ain't going. that make us who we are. I see nobody told you I run this prison. Young man. I guess nobody told you that I'm my dear. mud to the damn D-E-A. This February. You're in love with her. There's nothing going on with us. Believe in forgiveness.
1: They gave me 17 years.
0: I'm gonna get you out of here. here. I'm gonna be here for you.
2: And allow yourself. Everybody got a life. And what you do with their life is up to you. To break free. Yeah. Perry's Medea goes to jail. You saw me get ready to take this spot. I took it. My God! Look at your
0: car. Medea goes to jail from 2009, written, directed by Tyler Perry, based on his 2006 play. Perry's signature character, Medea, goes to prison for her uncontrollable. Anger management problems. Uh, This film, (laughs) right? This film also stars Derek Luke, Keisha Mm -hmm. Knight Pullum, Ian Mm -hmm. Overman, Tamela Mann, David Mann, Ronrico Lee, Vanessa Farlito, in a cameo by Sofia Vergara, and and. Viola Davis.
1: Oh, Lord, have mercy. To which Vincent says, I cannot believe Viola Davis is in this movie.
0: (laughs) I cannot believe Viola Davis is in this movie. Yes, she is, Vince. Viola Davis is all over. Medea goes to jail. The final selection and your selection, ladies and gentlemen, for 2021's mother may have another one of those bad black movies. Vincent, what say you of Medea Goes to Jail?
1: First of all, I think I need to not apologize to you, Lynn. You but not- I think I made a mistake.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Lynn and I were, were talking about programming, and at one point Lynn said we could do Medea movies and have a month of Medea movies. And I said that is a terrible idea. And no one wants to sit through Medea movies for a whole month. Mm -hmm. And while I still agree with that,
0: I kind of want (laughs) to watch all of the Medea movies. I, I I know how to par- because here, I know how to produce a podcast, Vince. Here's <laughs> what I've come to. No, no,
1: no. You just try and make jokey jokes. <laughs> this is our, I believe, fourth Tyler Perry movie that mm. we've talked about. Is is, is my count right? Uh, Diary I'll let of the you know Mad second, Black you, Woman. Keep,
0: keep going. I'll tell you. you, you Diary keep of going. a Mad
1: Black Woman. Why did I get married? Mm -hmm. acrimony Mm. temptation confessions of a marriage counselor I believe are the four Tyler Perry films that we have watched and you and I have talked in each episode about whether or not these films reflect a bit of the psyche of Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry's worldview, Tyler Perry's approach to life, Tyler Perry's belief system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think what I have not really given enough attention to is how the character of Medea really kind of speaks to this very particularized worldview. Now, whether or not it's Tyler Perry's worldview or it's just something he puts on the screen, I don't know. I don't know the man. But this is a bizarre film. This is a bad film. This <laughs> is a bad film. I don't I don't think, you know, and I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you just want to sit here for an hour and talk about why this movie is bad, to me, that gets boring real quick because it's right. a Tyler Perry movie and you can just sit here and list all all the things that are bad. So, so again, the acting is bad, the script is bad, the 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 the, the direction is bad. It's all bad. But the story itself is bizarre. So, as Lynn said, this is about Medea going to jail. It's right there in the title. Medea is going to jail. But like all of the Medea films, mm-hmm. there are actually two narratives. You have the Medea storyline where it's Medea dealing with with her anger issues and Medea going to jail and to Medea getting into shenanigans with her brother and her family and so on and so forth. And that's kind of madcap. But then you have this other storyline where Derek Luke plays... <clears throat> an aspiring assistant district attorney. He is engaged to another d- assistant district attorney, mm-hmm. and and Keisha Knight Pulliam plays Cece or Candy, who was a childhood friend of Derek Luke's character, and there was an incident when they were in college together, which threw her being a Cece off of her own path, and she ended up on the streets prostituting, and and is a drug addict. Right. And you have these two storylines that run parallel. And you kind of sort of get what Tyler Perry is trying to do. There's a case of a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. So Medea gets you in, but then the, the moralizing and the actual serious storyline is what I want you there for. Mm-hmm. And it is such a bizarre fusion because Medea is, is, is farce and she gets into fights with the police and she's wearing these ridiculous wigs and she's shooting the guns and all of the Medea stuff.
0: You, then, you, you forget you forget about uh, forklifting somebody's car in the parking lot of Kmart. She
1: forklifts somebody's car and she smashes a car and it's all played for laughs. And then at the same time, you have this storyline where come to find out that CeCe was gang raped in college.
0: Mm, yeah, put a pin in that.
1: After Derek Luke left her at a party mm-hmm. to go on a date. And then they never spoke afterwards or if they did speak, they didn't speak that much. And then Derek Luke runs, runs into her again and, 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 and tries to save her. But as he tries to save her, his evil fiance, who's a dirty lawyer. Yes. Railroads CC into prison. Yes. So you go back and forth and, and it's, it, it's, it's another example of these Tyler Perry narratives that just don't make sense like I joked when we were watching it like this is the moment where I would hit pause because I had so many questions mm-hmm. about everything that happens in this film that doesn't make sense first of all I don't understand Medea. like I don't understand her relationships like they they're, they show her license early on it says she was born in 1962 which confused me because that would only make her what what 62 and, like and 2000 60 it would make her 60 something but but that's not really that old you know as a point of reference Angela Bassett was born in 1958 fifty-eight. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. looked that up but then when you look up the wiki it says she was born in 1935
0: yeah, I think they have to do that to make sense because in one of the films, Cecily Tyson plays her daughter-in-law. Cecily Tyson plays her daughter-in-law,
1: but now uh, the the, the Tamala Mann plays her daughter, yeah. and she lives with her brother. And right, so, so it doesn't really make sense that mm-hmm. part of
0: it. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: But then this story with David, which is Derek Luke's character doesn't make sense either.
0: No. No. Because
1: he's friends with CeCe, and they say that they've been friends their whole life. Their their whole lives, they've been friends. Then they go to college, this horrific event happens to her. After he begins to abandon her, Mm -hmm. I skipped over the part that said that she was isolated in college because the students made fun of her for being poor. Right. Which again this is a look look i don't have no stats i don't i don't i'm just anecdotally i'm a black man who has been to college who has been around other black people in college i was trying to figure out what college that this was that they went to that if you get 10 black people in the room
0: like who's not poor yeah i didn't get that either I didn't know. Like, what this who's not poor co- in college? What was this college slash elementary school that they were at, where they were going nan nan nah, nan nah, 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 You've and got look at old the, jeans. L- on. Look
1: at the poor girl.
0: <laughs> then he leaves her with the football players
1: because I did. This is why you had to watch again because he was a football player, and I thought the implication was he left her with the football players. Yeah, he took her to the party, and then he left her with we the football on players, and then the football players gang raped her. Yes, yes. And and he just kind of lets that, like he didn't
0: do like like that's sort of the end of it. Yeah, because I I guess his guilt over that he never returned to her, so he just felt so guilty. I and mean, he never pulled up his boys. He didn't no,
1: like they they say no. that
0: he has brother. Like I just
1: it just seemed like there were a lot of loose ends to that story that I had follow up questions. Oh yeah. Then he doesn't tell his fiance what well, we gotta talk about. the the, the fiance and his whole relationship he doesn't tell the fiance so she doesn't know what's going on and it's all just this big ball of confusion Mm -hmm. about motivations about the narrative itself Mm -hmm. there's some strange gendered stuff like 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 they 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 almost troll the audience where they talk about Medea has a prostate and they play she's a lady and then Medea is making fun of a lesbian and and it's all just very confusing and I was just glad when it was over
0: because it just left me with more questions yeah than answers and the the one the biggest problem with the tones i mean well with there's a h- bunch of huge problems with the tone. So maybe this is the same size as the other problems with the tones. It, but it's because one is so farcical, everything with Medea, and everything else is so melodramatic, right? The two worlds can't coincide. Also, Tyler Perry can't or won't allow for anyone else to wear the biggest cape in the movie. So Medea has to be the one to get the broadest jokes in the film, but she also has to be the one who sits people down and who who is able to get to the heart of what the issue is so that everything can turn out sunny at the end of the film, despite whatever good intentions everyone else has. Because, you know, Academy Award winning Viola Davis in this film, (laughs) she is set up to be the good guy in this entire film. Everything she does is from a place of goodness and reaching out to people. Sometimes with affection, sometimes with um, reason, and sometimes with a little bit of tough love. But no matter what step she takes, it doesn't matter because this film, as all films in which Medea is a part of, is set up so that Medea and her words are going to be the ones that click the most in our characters' ears to make them make the change. So Medea gets the, the biggest pratfalls, but she also gets to come flying in at the end and be super Medea as well. Wow, that was, that's a really good point. This see,
1: it is why you had to watch it again. <laughs> because you're right. I actually wrote that Viola Davis's character is set up as the moral center. Mm-hmm. But, but you're right, when it's time to actually deliver the great sermon... Even though Viola Davis is the one in almost the literal pulpit, Mm -hmm. it is Medea who stands up and delivers it. Here's the thing, though. Again, Tyler Perry knows his audience is there to see Medea. Now, see, no, all right, all right, all
0: right, all right. So, in his defense, the audience is there to see Medea. That's what the people want. But the audience, the audience is there to see Medea. First of all, the audience in. That went to the film, that bought the pretzel bites and the pretzels and the slushies oh, and the juju oh ju- beans or whatever, bites. and, and Pop- snuck in with the with with the ribs and the shrimp and fishing fishing grits into the movie theater to watch. Medea goes to jail in two thousand nine. They went there to see Medea goes to jail. Medea doesn't go to jail until an hour and twenty minutes into the frickin' movie. <laughs> There is that. <laughs> I mean, you are on dry mouth because you have drank all of your slushy before she shows up in the prison orange. All right. So you're going there to see Medea. You're going there to see Medea be loud, be boisterous, be whatever, rambunctious. And yes, do you know that you're going in there for a level of melodrama? Certainly, you are. But. You know, you're also expecting that there's going to be in that melodrama some point of uh human connection. You know in that melodrama there's going to be a triangle because there's always a triangle. So there's uh, it, whether it's not it's a guy and a, and a guy to women or or two guys and a woman. There's almost a triangle in every one of his movies, in almost every one of his movies, and I lie to you not because I looked it up. There is some reference to somebody either being sexually abused or raped in their past, and the, detri- and the detriment that that has played on their on their life. That is, I lie to you not in almost every single movie of Tyler Perry's. Y- you have that as well, and yet with all of that just sticking in this film with the Linda character uh, played by Ian Overman Derek Derek's fiance you're right you could tell from a pointed chin that she is going to be the villainess she's the cruella de vil of this movie right you you know it right right from the beginning but she doesn't have to be she absolutely 100% does not have to be because i know you're going to say she's set up to be but she doesn't she doesn't have to be because her stated opinion in the, when Joshua, Derek Luke's character, and I'm just going to call him Yes, Derek, I called him David. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, Joshua. Because he, he doesn't look like a, he doesn't look like a Joshua. That's why. I got my biblical figures mixed <laughs> up. But um, the stated reason why he is um, taken up for for Candy is because of their relationship in the past he never thought he was going to see her again he sees her again he's up front he doesn't lie he's upfront to her about you know who this woman is in his past and you know he wants to you know be there be there for her be there for her she doesn't like it because she feels like you know he's you know trolling you know trolling with you know undesirables or whatever that is so low level writing. That is just that is such first draft writing. It doesn't have to be that at all. She can she she can be maybe a little insecure because of their relationship to one another, but that she never really says that. She doesn't say that. She doesn't really say that at, at all throughout the whole freaking movie. You may say that subtext, but she doesn't even really give off anything like that. And nor does um, Cece or Candy. Keisha Knight Pullum's uh, character, she doesn't even really give off vibes that she's trying to get in, in between them. You know, she's she's um, like she's going through some stuff, and like she turned turned up here with her friend, but she wasn't looking for him. They ran into each other. She wasn't out looking for him. And stuff like that. Look. so. She she doesn't have to be written as the villain. And then if you then when you write her as the villain, so now you got to go over the top with it. So now all of a right. sudden she's got to be <laughs> cooking the books, you know. She's got <laughs> she's got you know she's got to you know know that his best friend cheated cheated, you know. Um, and she's got to be like the, the biggest like the, the the biggest bitch of the west. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden she has to be so over the top. Mind you, there is enough story in the fact that this man is really dealing with Candy, who he, I don't know, falls in love with at the end. Makes no sense. Get the hell out of here. But there's enough story with him dealing with whatever guilt he has for the situation that he uh, maybe unknowingly or whatever left her to in college. There's enough story there, but we don't have time for that because, as in almost every Tyler Perry movie, whenever a guy expounds himself on something really, um, you know, hurtful or meaningful or bad that he has done, we can hand wash it away by, you know, don't feel guilty. That wasn't your fault. You need to let go. And Candy, you need to, you know, forgive him. For That I was holding on to that anger, but that was getting in the way of me and maybe that is real talk But no this dude doesn't need there's no reason why he has to get off that easy Why can't this dude just really be held accountable for his shit? You know what I mean? Be held accountable for it for at least more than a fucking beat in the goddamn
1: movie Look, I'm really trying to move away from ascribing personal things On these creators, like like we do the work. Let's look at the work. And Tyler Perry really challenges me, because as I've said before, with with the the Tyler, you know Tyler Perry had this terrible life, Mm -hmm. and then he was a billionaire. That's what we know. I don't know anything about that man, but there is nothing in his work that demonstrates that he knows anything about how people have relationships with each other. The relationship between Joshua and Linda makes absolutely no sense. No. None. As you said, she's over the top. She is a crooked lawyer. For the sake of argument, let's say she's not a crooked lawyer. She is a very unpleasant person. Mm -hmm. There is nothing about her that says that at some point before this film started, Joshua said, oh, I like her. Right, that's the woman for me. Let me ask her out to coffee. And then this relationship grew and blossomed so that when we meet them, they are engaged. Engaged to be married. Right. Yet, this horrific event which I'm going to assume is the worst thing that ever happened to him. He dropped the ball with his friend. Mm -hmm. It sounds like his best friend. He has carried this guilt. A, this woman he's about to marry knows nothing about this Mm -hmm. to the point she didn't know CeCe existed. Right. Now, according to what Tyler Perry told me, They spent every night together as children all the way up until they got
0: to college. This sounds like a very important person in his life. Yeah, even if you only mention her and don't mention what happens. Right, like you don't know she exists. And then when
1: she comes into your life again, and I counted three times Linda asked him, And I I actually disagree with you. I think Linda actually made good points. Like, I think part of the reason Tyler Perry had to make her a villain is because she was making good points. Who is this woman? Why are you acting like this with this woman? Why are you being so shady?
0: And he didn't tell
1: her anything about what happened.
0: I agree. You're right. She did make good points. You're absolutely right. She did. She did.
1: As you said... At no point during the entire film did it seem like anything romantic was developing between the two of them. No, no. When he kisses her, it really was like, well, where did that come from? It's Mm -hmm. like, well, like, you know, it's a Tyler Perry movie, so I guess somebody got to end up together. Right. The relationship in this office, him and this dude, that he's known for three years, like, like, Like none of these relationships seem like relationships that were written by someone who knows how relationships work. You know, my favorite part, when Linda and Joshua get into an argument, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in this argument about Cece and they're in an argument and they're in an argument and then the scene cuts and the argument has kind of resolved, and then when it goes back to them, they fall in asleep fully clothed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked because about Because as that. we all know, when you get into an argument with someone you love, and passions are high, and that hot breath is coming out, what usually resolves it is y'all fall into each other and then fall asleep fully clothed.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They've written whole songs about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even that part of it, it's like if I give you if, if I buy your argument, I really do think it's the argument that we're gonna have the farce on this side with Medea. Mm-hmm. But again, I use that to get you in here for the serious stuff. And the serious message. But the serious message doesn't make any sense. No. No, it, to it, me, no, it doesn't, it make, doesn't it. make any sense
0: to me. Now there are a billion dollars that say that it makes sense to somebody. Well, the movie was made for seventeen million, and it made ninety million. It is without a doubt uh, Tyler Perry's most profitable movie. So I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah, it is number one. Do you know what number two is? No, I don't. Boo, a Medea Halloween.
1: Which you know, that's my favorite Tyler Perry thing. Boo, you know, Boo is my favorite Tyler Perry thing. Really? Oh, because I, I love, I, I love the gangster of it. Because you know, that's the that's when um that's the top five joke that Chris Rock made. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember right, right. He made a joke about Medea Halloween, and I love the fact that Tyler Perry just just took it and then made a whole bunch of money off of it. To be clear, I don't like any of Tyler Perry's work, but I do like Tyler Perry.
0: Yes, George Kimono, that was $90 million American money that look, Medea goes to jail. Look, made.
1: I'm saying and, and, and again, we talk about the financial part of it, but again, you're, I'm saying something like I can't believe Viola Davis was in this. You know one thing about Viola? You know part of the reason I didn't know Viola Davis was in this? Why? When Viola Davis gives interviews and, and she's been doing it a lot more vocally the past two or three years and she's talked about roles that she's taken and and talked about how she had to do it all over again she wouldn't have done that. And specifically she, she mentions the help. Like she's been very vocal about you know I I, I don't really like what happened with the help.
0: Well, I know she said that I've, about the, the, the help. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that.
1: I've, I've never heard Viola Davis say that she regretted being in this film.
0: Like you just said, we don't like Tyler Perry movies. And we have a problem with Tyler Perry, the artist, and in, right. in, in, in how he, he uh, wields his movie-making craft. But I'll never knock Tyler Perry, the businessman, and Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry's hustle, and I will also never not not Tyler Perry as though he may have some suspect business practices that you you hear through the grapevine a little bit. I'll also I'll also cape up for the dude that he is the one who made sure that Cecily Tyson was getting regular checks. Um, made um, definitely put some money in Angela Bassett's pocket more than once you know put um money in more than a few um black actors and actresses pockets um throughout the course of his films um didn't have to especially as his his stake rose in hollywood didn't have to bring a lot of his repertoire people from his plays into the films but he did um so i'm not going to knock the man's business um business and the relationships that he has uh cultivated in Hollywood because of uh who he has become in the movie business but the product that he puts out there i it's just it is the biggest of wasted opportunities. We talk about missed opportunities all the time, and this is the biggest missed opportunities. Because as often as many faces as you can be, you know, cape up for you putting in front of those cameras, bruh, it is time for you to put a couple more faces behind the scenes you know, a couple more writers in there. Still, still take your stories, still take your basic stories, but let somebody else get a hand on these characters and really craft something with them. Because, you know, I mean, and I'm stepping away from this film, this is a bad film, it's like, it's whatever. You know, your Tyler Perry guilty pleasure acrimony, which I despise. Yes. That is a film that in the right hands... <laughs> could be something yeah i mean yeah, it's got, an interesting it, idea it, it it could be something but you just you got to get somebody that wants to do something with it and another tyler perry film that i think you when you were listening i don't know if you know you mentioned this one uh nobody's fool we we reviewed that as well with um oh my goodness i forgot all about nobody's fool yeah yeah with tisha uh uh tiffany haddish
1: yeah I will take it a step further. I actually think a lot of the morality is problematic.
0: Well, a whole lot of it.
1: Yeah, a whole lot. Of like, it. like, and 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 again, this is another example of Tyler Perry, and this real, this real disdain he has for middle class Black women.
0: Well, again, that's why I think that it's very important for him to get another writers in there, man, because this is right. all coming so, from his mind, man. Well, well, but again. His audience eats it up. Yeah, but... It, okay. Well, you say that, but I think that more and more, a lot of his films have be, have the returns. They're always going to be profitable because they don't cost much to make. So I mean, But there are diminishing returns. they are diminishing returns. Um, and some of his films... This is a
1: fairly early media film, frankly.
0: Well, it, it, true. But I think it's telling that a lot of his latest stuff especially now that he's built the big stages down there in Atlanta have been more on television and he's been able to profit more. So I think because of his name that he gets deals where they're like just banking that, you know, they know he can bring it in cheap. So they're telling him like, yo, you give us two seasons of this show and be damned the, the quality of them. Because right. a, because a lot of that sh- 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 schlock that he's been putting on television, he's been putting on TV One or uh, BET or wherever the hell all of those shows are going on. And even that, that Netflix movie, a lot of those <laughs> things are, are just become more and more fodder for just people to meme the hell out of, you know, yeah. as opposed to like really watching it. And I think if he's not careful, if the worm hasn't turned, the worm is turning on him, you know? As people are like, kind of like kind of growing tired of his shtick. Well, this was terrible.
1: This was a terrible film, and I'm glad that we're finished with it.
0: (laughs) So am I. So am I, and um, and I watched it twice. Well, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I said no. No, I'm See not. See what gonna, I do for the missionaries. I'm not going to do that. I I did enough. Um, I'm not going to do that. And and don't watch it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even going to ask Vince. <laughs> I ain't even asking Vince because because I know what he's going to say. Ooh, so I'm Lord. cutting to the chase. Don't watch Medea goes to jail. Oh my goodness. This is not a fun time. This is not something to watch while you are sitting there at the barbershop. No, if it's at the barbershop, you go to the barbershop and you turn it off. He's like, Yo, I really have to question y'all y'all question this barbershop and leave. Like, no. Don't, 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 don't. It beat
1: me down. It beat me down. It really did.
0: (laughs) Yes. To Robert Monroe's point, the best part of watching this movie was watching Lynn get drunk. (laughs)
1: It was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> uh that that guy Cardo says, uh sad to say my mom and her sisters will watch anything his name is attached to. I'm sorry, well, you know what, man? Yo, to that point, this is what I this is what I'll say, and now I'm a year removed, I, I, I will say. In my seeking, you know, for you know, uh, uh a lady friend. If I find that they are a fan of Tyler Perry films. Slide to the left. Oh, that's not nice. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a I got a question. Vince. Vince. Be real. Don't pull me into this. All right. All right.
1: I got married before Tyler Perry was making movies. Okay. But if, she, but if she started watching Tyler Perry movies. Look, look, uh, 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 this don't have nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. All I said is I'm sure there are some very nice young ladies who
0: also like Tyler Perry. Yeah, I'm sure there are. And I'm sure there's somebody <laughs> out there for them. Oh. <laughs> All right, go ahead, do the spiel. <laughs> Sorry. I don't have many standards, but I've got one.
1: (laughs) That's your lawn in the sand. It's
0: real talk. It's real talk. Oh, boy. All right. All right. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we invite you to like and follow us. Once again, we're going to hit it out there. Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. You can find us every place at Mission. Email us at MeShowMission at gmail.com. All your thoughts and concerns at M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Go to the Michaud Mission. Look us up every place that you find podcasts, the Michaud Mission, and please give us a five star rating and a review because that helps people find our show. And the Michaud Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate. Curated podcast for your earbuds. Go to thepodglomerate.com. All right. Next week. we will be entering into the month of June, where we like to try and celebrate black music in movies. And that means that we are going to be getting down, get funky and loose all month long. And Vince kicks things off. Uh, do you want me to tell him what we're going to be watching next week? Or you, you want to have at it, Vince?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. I think it, the... the 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 <laughs> the film after Mother May I is always top shelf stuff <laughs> when I choose. I always have to cleanse my palate. I always have to embrace a film that reminds me why I love black films. And this one is a perfect example of that. And we're going to kick off music month with a film that I'm I don't know if this is Regina King's best work, but it is very, very good work from her. Mm. I don't know if this is Kerry Washington's best work, but it is very, very good work from her. Oh, I, I forgot.
0: I forgot that's yeah.
1: I believe this is Jamie Foxx's best work. What movie is it? Well, it's Jamie Foxx in his Academy Award winning role as Ray Charles in the film Ray. Next Tuesday to kick off Music Month, we're watching Ray.
0: Okay. All right. Ray, next Tuesday, June 1st, 7 p.m. here on Show Mission Live. We, we're going to luxuriate. <laughs>
1: yes. in all this prestige.
0: Yes, yes, we will. Yes, we and will. And
1: quality.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, that is a uh, great move. That is a very great movie. Robert Monroe Jr. seconds that. Uh, Steve Hendricks says, ooh. And in regards to whether or not that's his greatest role, George Kimona asks, is it better than Booty Call?
1: Well, it is know. better than booty call. Like you're joking cuz I thought what Lynn was going to say, you know what I think is he's he's amazing in
0: Ali. Yeah, he's he's good in Ali. He plays Montini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, see, I don't like I, I don't like Ali, so that's why I can't. I don't really see him. I l- Ali is a spotty movie. Yeah. But Jamie Foxx is remarkable in it. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of stuff. He's very good. I mean, this I mean, it's it's not hard to say this is, is his best role. I don't know if I want to say it just yet, but um he's good in it. He's very good at it. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. I haven't seen Ray in a long time, so I'm I know. To checking that out. I know. Next week I know. here on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say We'll see you when it's time to meet again.